Well, that was pretty, uh, a little sloppy, but we, we made it. Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Allen. This is a special edition of Late Night Health, and it's after the elephant. Uh, joining us in this special edition, uh, we're going to take a look at the resp and, and respond to the discussion panel uh, to what's been happening over on the um, uh, the the uh, program uh, 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 elephant in the room. Um, we've just heard from leaders in the natural products industry that work in food, beverage, and beauty on what they're seeing and hearing in the industry. One of you guys has your phone on or something. Do you hear that? Yes, not me. Not you. Okay. I was actually on mute, so it's not on my side. All right. You sound like you're, you sound like you're echoing when you yell, so you know when you spoke, it was echoing. Okay. That should, yeah. that should be better. Okay. All right. Um, the technology of, uh, of, of webinars and, and videos. The goal of our After the Elephant session is to process this information and respond to it. I've got notes. I'm just blown away about what we heard. Anyway, let's take a look at our panel members and, um, and introduce them. We have uh, Eric Schnell. He is the co-founder of Beyond Brands and Beyond SKU. Welcome, Eric. Uh, we also have Jasmine Dixon. She is the COO and operations manager of Misha's Kind Foods. And uh, we have uh, Miguel Leal, co-founder of CEO and C CEO of Sumas Foods. And I'm going to try to fix that audio. And let's see if we can. All right, we'll do what we can. Here we go. So what were your general thoughts about the, the session we just saw, everybody? Jasmine, do you want to go first? I think it's appropriate. Who wants um, yeah, I think it's important to mention that we we need to have Miriam brought up definitely needs to be addressed. Things that can be looked at as small, but they have far-reaching impact. You know, you have a, a a large PO, and you're now worried that you being able to respond appropriately and tell somebody, "Hey, this is not appropriate," all of a sudden impact. I'm, I'm happy that we start the conversation. We have a very, very long way to go. Um, and I'm happy to be a part of it. And I, I think that now for the conversation, that we have at least there to that we fix it. That's the start of this. Uh, Eric, how about you? Can you hear me okay? Because I couldn't hear Jasmine, just so you know. It was totally okay. like underwater. Do I sound okay? Or my yeah, you sound fine. It's yeah, so yeah. yeah, right now when you're talking, Jasmine, it sounds like you're underwater. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I can try to fix that while we're working here. Okay, so if you can hear me clearly, I'm like, one part is super sad, one part disgusted, one part angry, one part happy that the women on that panel were speaking out, were being honest, and had a format to do that and share publicly with support. 
And then one part inspired that we could together, all of us now, you know, use this series and series like this and other panels and other community organizations that are forming in discussions, whether it's on LinkedIn or in our industry in its own way to, to be the change, to, 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 to make change, you know, look, you know, fortunately me too, you know, happened. Um, and the conversation started at a bigger level than ever before, but now conversations like this are the catalyst, I think for the future, you know, I, I, I can't imagine a world where 10 years from now, we're on a natural products industry forum and we're actually talking about some of the stuff we're talking about because it sounds so gross and so outdated, but it's still there, you know, it's still there. And I think, you know, being a male, and even though I think I'm evolved and I'm and I'm spiritual and I've learned lessons, I still even look back at 26 years ago when I got into this industry as a young natural products industry salesman in New York City. And I saw things and I heard things and I watched the way my bosses would treat the women. And I was just trying to find my rightful place as a 26 year old sales rep and not buck the system and get myself ahead. And looking back, you know, and hearing the women talk now so openly, which back then you didn't necessarily, I look back at everything and I wish, God, I wish I was, I, I wish I was being more the change this whole time that I want to see happen in this whole movement. So I think that, you know, there, there, there needs to be a lot more men in this conversation. There needs to be a lot more men held accountable. There needs to be a lot more men that are going to decide to step aside on their own accord and say things like, you know what, we're forming a new company. And in this company, the board's going to be 51% female. That's it. That's a bylaw. Like, there's a plenty of other bylaws and plenty of other things that they do, like set up B Corp in the bylaws. We're going to be B. Why can't you set up, we're going to be women, women forward. You know, so that, that myself is something I started um, two companies ago. I'm a serial entrepreneur um, in, you know, as, as a practice, a best practice internally to be 51% female leading an employee and also at the C-level and also at the board level. So my, my consulting agency is called Beyond Brands and we're 51% female owned, founded it with my wife. We have probably 70% of our, our clients are young women, young brand owners. Um, they feel safer with us than maybe other groups. And when we're putting boards together, kind of the mandate from the beginning is like it or not, it's 51% female. Because I believe, I believe if women had more of a say, and maybe it's that 51% or more, they would be much better decision makers and much better owners and much better leaders of these companies if they had that power behind them to make the change that they want to see happen and not worry about getting outvoted all the time, being the sole woman on a board or the sole woman on a C team. Because I believe women have intuition inherently that men don't have. They have emotional foresight and insight that men just don't have. They have empathy that men just aren't necessarily wired and born with. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Women are wired and men are wired differently. And that's a, that, that's fine. But I think in this modern age, if we could, we could give women back their rightful place in leadership positions as it was thousands and thousands of years ago, we're on this planet in most all cultures, including shaman in the jungle, women were the leaders of tribes. Right. Women Eric, the I'm one of because let, let's get Miguel oh, sorry, and his sorry, comments. Sorry. I get it. I agree with everything you're saying. Miguel, how about you? I'd like to go back to the old days where women ruled the world. I believe we go to war much less. I'm done. And I agree with you. Yeah, uh, I'm probably... This has been such an incredible three weeks, just listening. And it, it just what a great job putting this together. So needed. I've been working on the natural product industry and have gone to Expo West for over 15 years now. And it wasn't until last year that I realized to the extent and to the depth 
that uh, sexism was present in the industry. And like Eric, you know, I've, I've made a career here. I'm very proud of the community. And I am, you know, really disgusted by these stories. And I joined this to learn more, to see what role I can play, how can we identify it, and how all of us, uh, maybe the men especially, can become a bigger part of the change. So, you know, great that we have this space and so brave of everybody, especially on the panel today, to, to speak out because this is really the only way that we can affect change. I, I agree with you all. I, I was blown away. I was actually disgusted by some of the stories. I cannot believe that in, in, in the 21st century, in, in, in 2023, that this is still happening. And I, I, Jasmine, as, as, as our, our, our female uh, leader here on our, our panel, have you seen this still? Is it still going on, like the panel said, in, after, in Elephant in the Room? Yes, I would say it, it is because we've never addressed it before, you know, and largely one of the things that they're speaking to is that prior to Me Too, you couldn't discuss it. And if you discussed it, you were hushed. It's not the best way to continue <clears throat> be quiet and, and deal with it. It is still happening. It's that it's happening, frankly. And I think that's something we need to address. You know, we've had all of these major fallouts. The film started talking about how and a lot of it really has to do with the fact that, you know, Eric, something that, that you said that my interest is about women 50 to 50% of the leadership of the board, et cetera. But the women are intuitive and they're able to make decisions. What I would actually say, somewhat of a counter, but not really, I have found that. Literally very emotional. They are told in a very concrete way in the workplace that the emotions and relief are actually running their show up. I also think that we teach them to turn off the intuition from the inner voice that might speak to them. This is another colleague for a professional walking into the business. So, situation with your work. Maybe you know, pinching her on the ass is not an appropriate thing. If we begin to relate with men and women from the perspective of we have the have emotions, we have a clear sense of the problem is that coming to the workplace, we started in a way where men had the upper hand, therefore, they knew they could be the abusers and it wouldn't be called abuse. So now we're balancing things back out by saying, okay, you know what, we're going to call it abuse, but now we need to almost engage both men and women from the place of develop in, in ourselves and also in leadership teaching programs, a way for men and women to both hone their inner masculine and inner feminine energies. And I know that sounds super hippie, <laughs> but I think that that is the solution though. 
because we need to be able to come into the space. And if it's a man listening to men or women, that intuition needs to be there. That, you know, sense of, okay, my emotional connection to you gives me a sense of the other person's humanity. What's happened in the workplace is that we have engaged man to man, and, and I will say this in the space as well as a black woman, typically it has been white man to white man engaging as though humanity is there. But when it is man to woman, we, we make it so her humanity is a little bit lower. And unfortunately we do it with people of other race. And so now we're just beginning to have the awareness and the space to say, wait a second, Anywhere where it's showing up, where there is not a level playing field, we have to level that out. One of the, the uh, I think it was Miriam who was in, in the elephant in the room, was saying that there, yes. that, that she is often uh, approached for a weekend away or a vacation by a vendor. And when she turns them down, the order goes away. Yeah. I, I, I'm speechless, and that, that doesn't happen to me often. Eric, Miguel, one of you, what, what do you think? Can you hear me okay, Mark? Clear? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, so this is an interesting part of our industry that I'm not even sure if anyone's brought up yet, but related to her point. So she's an outside sales rep that goes into stores and encounters the people that work in the stores. A lot of people forget that's a big part of our industry. All the employees that work, the thousands of employees that work in grocery stores and health food stores across the country, we often forget that's actually our industry, but they just don't go to the trade shows, so we don't see those people as much. So I started in New York City in stores, just like that, calling on accounts. If you look at the demographic of the people in the stores, it's very different than maybe the people you see at the trade show floors or the people in leadership in companies. And I wonder if some of that, if, 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 that, if that community hasn't, caught on to this Me Too idea, hasn't caught on to this revolution in consciousness yet, or hasn't caught on to the proper way to treat women. I wonder if there's any conversation around that, because as she was saying that, I was thinking that it's coming from the people that are the buyers in the stores. And I wonder what what they, what families or demographic or what life they come from, that that is more accepted that you would give a bribe or expect the bribe for an order. I've certainly seen cashed up as a guy in New York City 25 years ago, pay me an extra 500 bucks and I'll give you a $2,000 order for your vitamins. Okay, that was actually considered normal. <laughs> what I didn't see is what Miriam went through, which is the disgusting, darker side of this. It's it's terrible. Uh, Miguel, your thoughts? Your thoughts, Miguel? Yeah, I agree with Eric. I think uh, it's definitely a part of the industry that we don't consider our own. I, I did not start calling in the stores like, like Eric did. I didn't have that opportunity. And a big point that was made in the panel, at least to me, is what are the recourses to go out and, and make a formal complaint? Where do you go when something like this happens? And, uh, and I think that that could be part of what we can do. You know, it would be very hard to go in and affect, you know, the thousands of people that are out there. But if we fix it systematically with mm -hmm. having a recourse, uh, especially in an industry like ours that is so consolidated that a few retailers really control most of the ACV, I think that is a big to-do 
after this panel to, to use our and leverage our influence and our connections to make sure that there is a place where people can go after incidents like the one that uh, Miriam uh, you know told us about. Uh, Jasmine, the the uh, Miriam also said that she did file a complaint. It took four years, and her winnings, if you will, was two hundred dollars a month. I mean, it's disgusting. Yeah, because what it's saying is. Okay, from a legal perspective, we're going to acknowledge that this wrong was done to you. However, we still value you as an equal member of society enough to make this person suffer in such a way that they will understand that this is not okay. And also set an example so that other people know that. Because, you know, what is that to him? It's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. So it's, it's still speaking to her value in society and in the professional space. Just just in and also reflecting on Miriam's experience in the stores, which is nothing different than I experienced on the other side of it 25 years ago in the same role. Mm-hmm. People expect something for something sometimes in the world. And I, I wonder, this has been going on thousands of years. Like, how, mm-hmm. I wonder how big this conversation or how big Me Too has to get to actually affect that side of the industry, mm-hmm. you know, I actually don't know how you do that. Like, like if, you're, if, you, if you're a sales rep and you go back to your company and you tell your company about what happened in the store, if Miriam told her company, the company's going to make a decision. Okay, we are one of 25 vitamin lines in that store. We only do 5% of our volume in that store. If we go in and rock the boat, we'll probably get thrown out. Like this, the store owes nothing to the brand. Right. And that's like, I don't even know how, like, there's so many layers there of how you fix that. It's almost like there's got to be a cultural shift, a, a humanity shift, a uh, consciousness shift for the everyday person to realize that's wrong because there's no punishment a brand or myriad superiors could give the brand owner to the store to ever probably ever fix that i can't see that and we have a a a comment from uh uh, amy uh amy summers who's put together a marvelous program and organized everything but me um she's heard that this is uh, uh very common in the industry, that it's it's the buyers that have this behavior. Mm-hmm. We all work with buyers in one way or another, right? How do we stop it? What do we do? More programs like this is one. Jasmine? Yeah, I, th- I think you're bringing an oh, Miguel, excellent point, Mark. Yeah, I think you're bringing an excellent point. I think all of us are very lucky that we get to have this, you know, top to tops with retailers. And now that we can put words to it, and there is a space that we can have the conversation, I think this is where retailers and manufacturers need to meet together. And like Eric said, it's probably going to require a culture change and a change at every level. But I do think it's something that needs to start from the top and that there is a place where we can go and, and people can go that are affected by this behavior and, and putting a complaint, maybe it's not at the store manager level, but it's all the way, you know, to the top of the merchandising department. Got it. Jasper, yeah. your thoughts? 
I also think to that, you know, to copy what Miguel is saying and add to it, I think that we have to be willing to take risks at collectively. So for instance, you know, let's use Miriam's situation. She goes and she tells her company heads and her investors, she goes and files the complaint with the buyer's head, et cetera. And then other people in the industry, whether it's the brokers, other brands who are also in the stores, from a leadership perspective, we need to be able to say, hey, listen, we're willing to lose this account in order to hold up accountable so that it's not happening to anyone, even if it didn't happen to one of your employees or it didn't happen to you as, as one of the founders. Largely, a lot of what's going on is people who, rightly, you have, you know, your bills to pay and, and, and other overhead, you're not going to want to lose an account. But we've seen it in this industry. We've seen it in the film industry. It's largely because we don't want to lose the monetary value of the thing that we're working towards, that we continue to allow abuse, whether we're allowing it to ourselves or we are watching as other people are being abused and just not saying anything because we decided that it doesn't apply to us in this moment. So I think we have to be willing to take that risk that we might lose the account initially. And, it, and we and, and literally they might pick a few people out until a large enough amount of people are now pulling out that everyone has to stop and say, wait a second, what's going on? Then I think holding them accountable becomes far more easily and impactful. Uh, Leah Weiss is uh, uh, watching. One thing that uh, she's noticed is that much of the harassment has to do with power. And of course, power is money in this case. And it's men trying to exert their power over women uh, when they know that they can control over women, control women and their career. And I think that's a very good point. Uh, Heather, during the uh, elephant in the room, mentioned that at one point in her career, at a conference, a man entered her room, he was naked, uh, and wanted sex. Uh, they were both married. This happened a number of years ago. That guy, who she did not identify, is still in the industry. I found that repulsive, disgusting. I can't believe that it happened. Yeah, that's what made me angry more than ever. And I know who the guy is. And I see the guy at every show, too. And she told me about this years ago. And if I was her husband, I probably would have done something more. But um, I, there's a lot of that. There is a lot of that. You know, when I started in the vitamin industry 26 years ago, and I went to our first national sales meeting. I had no clue how much everybody drank and how it was, it was normalized and actually... <laughs> actually coerced and I saw my boss go into the room with one of my fellow employees who was 25 26 and didn't call to the next day like that is freaking insanity I don't think that happens so much now publicly but that was normal this quarter century ago and I'm still in the industry and I still know that guy and he's at every show so like I don't know if the people change or the industry changes but you know I don't know like how being nice first of all I don't know why we can't call out names I don't understand that like I, I want to call it the Serial investor that everybody knows in this industry that's 80 years old right now that pinched my wife's ass 10 years ago, walked into a board meeting and destroyed her board meeting over and over and over and over again, every board meeting until she quit her own company three years later. Like, I want to say his name and everybody knows him. And I wonder if this is like a way, like at some point it just gets like maybe New Hope endorses this or Natural Network endorses this, that we create a, an open form, a list 
you know, if you're on the list, if your name's on the list, you have done something and maybe the list has a little extra for what you've done to harm that victim. And maybe there's a way to have a blue check mark. So, you know, it's not just to have, you know, fake revenge on someone because you don't like them. There's a way to actually not get on that list is the worst thing ever. And we all know there's a list and everybody sees the list at any time because your name's on it. It means you did something offensive. Like maybe that's the way, because how else are things going to change so quickly in our lifetime when, when that's normalized and these people are still in our industry? We only have a few minutes left. So let's talk about solutions, okay? Um, Miguel, let's start with you. Do you have any solutions for this that we can we can get rid of the elephant in the room? Well, I I am very pragmatic, Mark. So today, you know, it was such a great learning for me. I just want to elaborate a little bit more on, on what you talked about, Heather. What that was you know, obviously very impressive and disgusting, but it was even more impressive that she checked with other women and there wasn't a single one that a version of that story did not happen to them. And and really my, my key takeaway was even if, you know, they were able to turn them away, that person was harmed forever. Their life took a turn for the worst because of that incident. Now, I, I don't think, you know, a single person can solve this issue by themselves, but I'm walking away with what is the one thing I can do. And, you know, if each of us does one thing, I think the list that Eric was talking about is incredibly important. I think, you know, the solutions that Jasmine was talking about is very important for me, is gonna be to bring this up in my conversations with retailers and just ask them, Hey, if this ever happened to someone on my team, is there a recourse that they can go to and, and, and make a complaint? And make sure that in those conversations, those recourse exist, they are public, they are communicated. And, and for me, as, as a part of this industry, to continue to be a part of this and continue to learn, because you know, if, if you can't see it and you can't name it, you can't stop it. Jasmine, how about you? Any any solutions that come to your mind? Yes, I, I like what Miguel just said. I agree with it. And I think that uh, perhaps outside organization being formed, whether it's a, a nonprofit where company heads, founders, men and women can come together to create educational programs that potentially we can suggest are mandatory for these industries. In a way, it sort of standardizes the uh, educational process, because a lot of what's happening is that it's been happening for a long time, no one said anything, and there's no one to help reshape what those relationships would look like to, you know, piggyback on what Eric was saying earlier. There is an understanding in the industry of some sort of, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And so whether that looks like an exchange of here, I'm giving you a, a money scratch back, we're taking women and we're asking them to barter their bodies, which is foul. And so helping people to understand, okay, what does it look like to enter into a proper professional give and take relationship? And that needs to be spelled out. For us on the call, it feels like it's common sense. It clearly isn't. So we need to create an educational program that then gets these other places. And then we need to be held accountable to this training. We're now in violation of the rules of the training. And these are the consequences. 
yeah, the um, uh, it, it, I, it, it's all mind-boggling to me that that this is still going on. Uh, Leah Weiss uh, says uh, uh, we need a calling out of the abusers, and uh, we should encourage women to press charges. It's hard for women to do that. We've discussed this uh, in the past. Um, next week, by the way, we're going to have retailers uh, on our panel, and maybe we can get some insight there. Um, so uh, I thank you all. We're going to end uh, right now. Jasmine Dixon, Eric Schnell, and uh, Miguel Leal, thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us. And uh, oh, Miriam uh, says, uh, thank you all. Many good ideas. I'll say that there are concerns about safety, defamation lawsuits, if there isn't sufficient evidence. And I believe uh, Miriam even said on, on the panel earlier that she had evidence, um, revenge, uh, if done with legal process. And I think that's important. Uh, thank you for joining us for After the Elephant. This has been a special edition of Late Night Help and our response and discussion panel to session three of identifying the elephant in the room critical communication strategies in the face of sexism. Please join us next Thursday at 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time as we examine the topic of sexism in the legal finance, marketing, and retail sectors of the natural products industry. Make sure you're registered for the Elephant in the Room session so you can listen to what we're responding to during uh, After the Elephant. Um, and if you're not registered yet, go to invincibox.befairs.com. It's right here on your uh, screen. I'm going to make it just a little bit larger for you. There you go. And uh, of course, we'll be back on social media for our post-response and discussion session after that on After the Elephant. Look, for Late Night Health, I'm Mark Allen. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody.